Welcome to Welcome to the Gun Show. I am joined by Garrett. Hey, everybody. And Tarek. Hello, everybody. Uh, quick commercial break. I'm running a uh, Pistol Fundamentals course at Magnum on the 10th of October. Hit me up to book. And uh, tonight we're talking about uh, something very close to Tarek's heart. Hashtag Gospel of the Gauge. There we go. We're talking shotguns, scatterguns, um, fun guns. Uh, not those fucking box-fed things with the magazines that you load. We're talking about tube-fed guns, as it was intended. Um, <laughs> Terry is showing yeah. off his 1301, which uh, came home today. He's uh, finally been able to collect his license card things. Pretty awesome. So we're going to, to talk uh, a little bit about things like uh, ammunition choices, uh, things like getting to actually pattern your guns and, and understanding what those patterns mean, uh, shotgun reliability. We might talk a little bit about the uh, difference between pump guns and semi-autos uh, in uh, like sporting applications. And uh, we'll see where that takes us. Maybe some myth, myth, myths as well. Myths and mythuses. Would you like to start with a myth? Let's start with a myth. Yes. I have heard that if you shoot someone with a shotgun, they'll fly clean out their shoes. Like you've nailed That's the shoes to the, to the floor and you've hit them with a wrecking ball. That's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. provided his shoes are probably adhered to the ground. That's what I'm saying. You nailed the shoes to the ground and then you hit them with a wrecking ball. <laughs> That, that, With that annoying dude, Newton gets in the way of that. But I have a mate who, who, who slotted a dude in the chest with a, a, a load of double buck uh, years ago and said it was like a puppet getting its strings cut. The dude just went standing, not standing. I can believe that because um, mm. I've seen footage of that happening with pistols. Not regularly, but like I have seen that happen with a pistol shot. So I can believe that a, that a shotgun will uh, do that very effectively. So now that we've got the first myth out the way, T-Bag, tell us a little bit about the, the stuff you've been playing with recently. You've been posting some interesting pictures. Yeah, so I, uh, I was doing some patterning today with some buckshot. Uh, and I'm going to put the pictures up. By the time you listen to this, they will have been on the Welcome to the One Gun Show Facebook page at Welcome to the Gun Show, something, something backslash Facebook, and in the Welcome to the Gun Show Facebook group, and probably some other groups. Uh, and what I did is I, I patterned a variety of, of sort of buck, most of it nine pellet stuff, because that's what uh, we need for nine pellets or less of what we need for IPSC. So... That's generally what I keep on hand um, and one AAA load. And what I did is I patterned them all at five meters, 10 meters, 15 meters. And then I patterned some of the loads at 20 meters. Um, and if you look at the pics on the, on the page, you'll, you'll see how dramatically different it was. Um, the, the AAA was, uh, I think the technical term is dog shit. Um, the, 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 the pattern, even at 10 meters, the pattern was, was, was a mess. At 15 meters, we didn't even have all the pellets on the, on the target. And I used a, a standard IDPA target. So it, it's a pretty big target. I mean, you know, anything that hits the D zone is, is probably going to miss on a lot of 
like normal size or smaller than normal size humans. Um, and that was all out of my, my 1301 with the, the factory improved cylinder choke. Uh, the, and it was interesting. I mean, there were dramatic differences in pattern, you know, the, and, and we can discuss just now sort of the concept of the A, B and C zone. Um, but the, there, there were a, a couple of, especially the, the, the sort of the cheaper lines where at 15 meters, you were, you were on the edge or, or beyond the distance that, that you could comfortably guarantee every pellet would stay on a person. Um, I had some federal flight control, unfortunately, is not available here, but I'm actually not the biggest fan of flight control for, for like home defense and that, but that's another discussion. Um, but I do have, did have some of the Hornady tap and the, and the Hornady critical duty, which uh, is a similar sort of technology. It's the same, same technology wad, just without the, the copper plated pellets and the buffer. Uh, and that, it wasn't always super consistent, but I mean, we, we had a, a fist size or smaller than fist size pattern at 10 meters. Um, and at 15 meters, maybe a spread hand size pattern. Um, so that was pretty impressive. Um, but scary, their practical load, so their the IPSC load gave really, really good patterns and, and nice low recoil. And then I had some, some two generations of the RC practical load. The older one wasn't great. The newer one actually patterned really well. Um, I mean, I had one 20 meter pattern with eight of the pellets in, in sort of a hand spread and then one pellet on the other side of the target, which unfortunately often happens with nine pellet buckshot. It's just one of those things that uh, if you put eight pellets in there, you'll often get really consistent patterns. If you get nine pellets, very often you get eight pellets in a beautiful pattern and you get one pellet far away. Uh, and if you're shooting a match, that one pellet will very often find its way onto a no-shoot. <laughs> because that, of Murphy. That is a yeah. fact. So the, the, the difference between the eight pellet and the nine pellet and why they group so oddly different is um, the eight pellet arrangement is a very symmetrical uh, arrangement of the actual uh, pellets inside the, the shell. You go to 9P, you have that nice eight pellet stacked in that same symmetrical shape. And then you've got a ninth one that's just plucked on top. And no, as a result, it does. Is it not? So generally, three, three, three. So the, the, the eight right. pellet, I think, is normally packed sort of four rows right. of two, and the nine pellets are packed, packed three in rows three. Mm. And yeah, you're mean, right. And you do have slightly more pellet to barrel. I know, it's weird, huh? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 strange. Like having discussed that you're not a very smart man, like not five minutes ago. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm I'm not too sure why. I'm sure there's there's some sort of psych- very clever scientific reason. I mean, you you do end up with more pellets in contact with the barrel. Um, you know, more area on more pellets, sort of in contact with the barrel. I would assume, but it's just it's one of those sort of universal truths that. Uh, Generally, like even with federal flight control, which famously has the tightest patterns, um, from everything I've seen, the, the eight pattern flight, pat, pat, uh, let's try the language, the eight pellet flight control uh, patterns substantially better than the night pellet. You don't get that that weird flyer. So that's something to be 
be aware of if you're shooting competition or you're using a shotgun defensively is that that flyer. Yeah. So now, so with you having spoken about patterning now, uh, I've probably got the least experience with actually shooting shotguns here. And my understanding is that you want to pattern the ammo you're shooting through your gun, number one, to make sure that it functions in your gun hmm. reliably in terms of feeding, extraction, etc. if it's a semi-auto or manual, actually. Yeah. Um, and secondly, you want to actually know what the ammo is going to do in your gun because you actually have to learn how to aim with that ammo or you have to learn how to aim with your shotgun. Do you think that people are less inclined to actually go through the proper protocols in terms of learning how their shotgun shoots, what the accuracy is, and how their patterning works at certain distances with different and various ammos? Oh, without a shadow of a doubt, dude. Um, and that that's not just sort of, uh, sort of uh, what's the word I'm looking for, sort of casual shooters. I, I see that with, with guys at matches who... I've shot matches with guys who the first time they've ever fired around a buckshot in their gun is at a match when there's a buckshot stage. Uh, and, and then they get surprised because they don't understand how it patterns. Um, yeah. You know, there's a lot of myths about shotgun patterning um, and, and, and there's a lot of myths about, A, how you can't miss with a shotgun, uh, mm. which is a lie. I've missed with shotguns lots. Uh, I've probably I, missed more with <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you categorically that I have not missed with a shotgun. Not you once. have missed with shotgun pellets, though. No, 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 not not once. They always find a no shoot. <laughs> I mean, I don't hit the thing that I intended, but I've never missed something that shouldn't get shot. Always gets like obliterated. <laughs> I think that reverts back to the patterning corn. <laughs> it does. So, yeah. fun fact so, with that, I I shot a lot of shotgun growing up. Uh, relatively speaking all the time and uh, <clears throat> I didn't even know that shotgun patterning was a thing until I started shooting Ipsic shotgun same yeah um, and like ammo selection wasn't a thing like you went it's to 12 the, gauge in the box no 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 like no 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 there was there was only one thing you could ever buy triple A you went yeah. into the local gun shop and you went Triple R, and they go, what do you want to do? Like, I'm going to go shoot birds. Triple R. <laughs> I'm going to go shoot some targets. Triple R. Like, it was just, that's the thing that everyone bought. And, like, no one bothered with patterning. It's like, it's just this, this thing. Like, this is what everyone shoots. I suppose what we should do here is we should back backpedal a little bit for people who are less familiar with shotguns. Um, Shotguns, if you're shooting shot, meaning birdshot or buckshot, so, so multiple pellets, um, will throw a pattern. So there will be some sort of spread in, 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 the, in the pellets um, as, as, as to how they, they sort of interact with the target. Um, different, you know, different guns will pattern differently. Um, we have a thing called choke, which is the constriction at the end of the barrel that will affect the patterning. Uh, and then the ammunition itself can affect the patterning as well. Um, and one of the things to, to bear in mind is that every shotgun in the world is a special snowflake gun to itself. Uh, so Kone and I have identical Benelli M2 ASPs, um, but that doesn't mean they're going to necessarily like the same ammunition or pattern the same ammunition um, identically, even with the same ammo, same choke. And we have so, shot them side by side with the same choke. Yeah. And we had different patterns. Hmm. Yep. 
So that that's sort of the nature of shotguns. They're 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 special snowflakes. So you just like with every gun, but it, uh, but people sort of underestimate it with shotguns. Just because your buddy has said that he shot whatever out of his Winchester and it patterned lacquer, that doesn't mean that that same ammo in your Remington is going to pattern at all, um, and vice versa. So you need to test, like with everything with guns, you need to test your ammo in your gun. Uh, a lot of more modern guns are, are multi-choke guns where you can change the choke tubes and, and you can change that constriction so you can you can optimize it for different types of ammo. Um, and and there, there's also there's there's a lot of black art with dealing with shotgun. It's not all science. Um, kind of like 1911s, but better. Um, sorry, corn. <laughs> <laughs> so we won't mention what I just showed him. <laughs> It wasn't a 1911. Uh, <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> so with birdshot, with buckshot, you know, we, we see this with, with, with competition all the time, guys who, who don't, don't pattern their guns and, and don't see what pattern they've got and then come unstuck when they have a, a no-shoot target or a, or a difficult target or, or, or something like that. So what you want to do is you want to try – your ammo and your gun at various distances. And something else you want, you want to be careful of is you want to try multiple rounds of the same load at, at the same distance. So don't fire one round of, of your buckshot at 15 meters and say, I'm good. Um, because I've, I've seen two consecutive rounds out of the same gun, out of the same box of ammo, give differences in pattern. Now, generally, the better quality your shot shells, and that's something we'll get to just now, um, the more consistent they are. But you, you want to try a couple of, you know, a variety of rounds of whatever you're shooting out of your gun to see to see what shoots best. Um, uh, you know, and, and bird shots the same. Uh, some bird shots going to pattern better. Um, some bird shots going to pattern worse. You don't. As a general rule, you don't want the big, the absolute biggest spread you can get, um, because that that becomes uncontrollable, especially with buckshot. Uh, because where are those other pellets going? You know, if if it's a defensive thing, uh, you need to try and keep all those those pellets on on, on target. Uh, and if it's a competition thing, when when they've stuck a no shoot next to a shoot target thirty meters away, uh, you don't want a, a pattern that's going to put Round, uh, holes on both targets and just for the record when they put no shoots up for shotgun shooting buck they're not making it easy it's not like they put the no shoot like a meter away from the target that you're shooting at because shotguns you sometimes get the same area exposed as people would consider tough shots with pistols hmm. um, yeah I suppose with that patterning thing, because you're going to be testing multiple rounds of the same load at multiple distances, ideally you want to test that patterning procedure with the other chokes that you have for the shotgun, provided yes. you have interchangeable chokes. Because if you're running um, like an improved cylinder choke and then you put in a full choke, your patterning could change quite drastically with the same ammo. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, sort of... So I'm not going to go through every choke in the world, but the common one, sure. cylinder bore is 
is is no constriction. So it, it's a 0.729 of an inch barrel. So it's a barrel with no constriction at the end. That's what you often find on sort of traditional riot guns, uh, you know, short barrel pump guns and that. Um, and there, there you've got nothing doing anything to your pattern. Your, bar your barrel is for all intents and purposes a piece of pipe. Uh, improved cylinder is, is slightly, it's got a slight constriction and I would be lying if I gave you the numbers, so I'm not going to try. Um, so improved cylinder, or I think that the Brits used to call it quarter choke, um, is, a, is a slightly sort of tighter um, choke. Then you get modified, what they used to call half choke, um, which is sort of a mid-range choke pattern. Um, and then you get, uh, <coughs> you get, I mean, there's various differences in the middle now with light modified and improved modified, but the common ones were sort of cylinder, improved cylinder, modified, and full full choke being being a, a, a tighter choke, a tighter constriction. And now we have things like extra full and uh, turkey chokes, um, which can be can be fuller. You also get weird things like diffuser chokes, which uh, are, are pretty much rifled um, because rifling with a bullet stabilizes it nicely and with a shot pattern throws a much bigger pattern. Um, diffuser chokes are... I think they were quite popular in three-gun nation where there would be a lot of like screaming stuff with no no-shoots. It's not often instead of an Ipsic match or anything that you would use something like that. Um, it's not often that you've got a whole lot of big close targets with, with no no-shoots that you can just scream through. Um, so yeah, you need to test, if you've got a multi-choke gun, you, you want to test uh, different guns through, you know, different ammo through different chokes. Because they don't always say what they do, what they say on the box, and and there's a couple of things like buckshot, especially. Often buckshot will reach a point with a tighter choke that your pattern starts to suffer. So you might find that you get a, a reasonable uh, pattern with improved cylinder, you get a pretty nice pattern with modified, and then some guns you stick full full choke in there, and your buckshot patterns blow up. Um, I I have two guns that that. Contrary to that, I've, I've got two Benelli's that if I put a, a Briley extra full choke in, give their best patterns with the ammo I use. Um, that, if you try and use like the flight control or the Hornady tap stuff, that doesn't seem to work. The tight chokes and that can often make those patterns worse. Um, because the idea with those is the shot stays in the, 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 the wad is sort of the, the plastic cap that the pellets sit in. And the idea with those is that the pellets stay in the cup for longer. Um, and then the cup sort of, it it, instead of blowing through the middle of the pattern, it sort of de decelerates and, and, and stays behind it. And the hand movements I'm doing are doing absolutely nothing to our listeners, but they're really helpful. If you could see what I was doing, you'd understand. How you'd love that. those, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and those can be problematic with the choke. So as I say, the, 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 I was always told if you shoot buckshot through a full choke, you're going to have issues with accuracy, you know, with patterns. Um, and then I had some guns that I, I tried it in and went, oh, well, my gun, my ammo patterns better with this than it does with, with a more open choke. So you, you're going to need to test that with your gun. Birdshot, in my experience, and I'm sure there's guns that, that jump that, that have been a little bit different, but birdshots generally seems to follow those rules. Um, you know, the, the, the tighter the choke you use, the tighter the pattern you're going to see on your bird shot. Makes sense. So chokes, roughly, like as, as, a, as a general engine thing, they move your same pattern size out about 
five meters per choke you go up. So if you go from uh, from cylinder to improved cylinder, you'll get the same sort of sized pattern, but out to roughly five meters further, something like that. So uh, that's the difference it makes for the, for the guys who are wondering. It's a similar pattern, slightly more distance. Now, you don't always want the absolute tightest pattern that you can get uh, because sometimes it's beneficial to have a little bit of spread because it allows you to be far, if we're talking competition here specifically, it allows you to be faster on certain target arrays. Uh, if you have open steel targets where there's no no-shoots in the area and you've got like four or five of those relatively close to each other, you might be able to get away with firing three rounds instead of five rounds. You've got a little bit bigger pattern. So there is a little bit of a thought that needs to go into your stages uh, in terms of what you're going to do. And that said, I shoot like a modified for almost everything. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's two schools of thought there. I, I, I know, and, and I know good shooters who do both. I know good shooters who will kind of, and, and we're talking specifically sort of IPSC, IPSC shotgun matches, you know, the greatest shooting sport in the world. Um, you know, I know guys who will walk on a stage, have a look at the stage and go, this is a light modified stage, dig in the bag of chokes and change their choke out. And on the next stage go, this is a modified stage. And on the next stage go, this is an improved modified stage. Um, and some of them shoot really well like that. Personally, I'm I, I'm of a of a different school of thought. I run improved cylinder pretty much exclusively in my Benelli. Uh, my old 1301, I used to run light modified, which patterned out of that gun about the same as improved cylinder patterned out of my of my Benelli. Um, with the new Beretta, I'm going to have to mess around a little bit, but I'll probably end up running light modified on everything with that as well. Um, so the only time I really change chokes at a match is on a buck or slug stage. Um, depending on which choke my gun likes with, with slugs and with buck, I'll uh, I'll pop that, that in. Um, so like with a Benelli, for example, I, for all intents and purposes, could go to a match with, with two, two chokes, my improved cylinder and my full. Uh, get to a buck stage, put the full choke in, get to any other stage, put the IC choke in. Uh, and what I found with that is I know the pattern on that with my ammo better. So, so what you kind of want to do, especially if you're shooting um, competition, is you, you want to be able to visualize that pattern. So, and, and this is, I, I used to check, change chokes a lot more and, and um I kind of chatted to to Demi from Spartan LRA, um, and and Demi is is probably the top standard shotgun shooter in the country at the moment. Demi didn't change chokes, um, and, and his logic was, and it makes perfect sense, and it's worked for me. Um, he knows how his gun patterns with that choke. So, and if you have a twenty eight round stage with four really tight no shoots. With the slightly bigger pattern, it meant that for four rounds, you had to aim harder. And for 24 rounds, you could aim a little bit less hard. As opposed to running a full choke, which, which we see some guys do. And for some reason, a lot of the open guys try and turn those box-fed monstrosities into rifles and run really tight chokes. Uh, and what happens there is for four rounds, you don't have to aim that hard. And for 24 rounds, you have to aim harder. So... It's not to say that, that, that one particular school is right or wrong. Um, I mean, I'm right, but uh, 
you, you've just got to find, you, you, you've got to understand what you're trying to do for the gut. I'm not a clever man, so it's easier for me to know. I know what my pattern looks like with, with, with IC, with my ammo, with birdshot. Um, it's very easy for me to visualize what that, that, that pattern looks like in relation to the target and know where to aim when, when there's no shoots or, or shoot targets and that, as opposed to going, oh, shit, I just put the light modified in. Um, so it's now slightly different. Or what's happened to me and what I've seen happen to guys is they get to a stage, they forget to change choke. They've got a full choke from the last stage. They've now got a great big open stage. Um, and they're shooting plates at, at six or seven meters and, and basically shooting them with slugs. They've got to aim it like it's a rifle. So that's actually, I was going to bring that up now. Um, I don't own a shotgun and Tarek, you offered for me on a few occasions to, to loan your shotgun and we go and shoot a match together. And the first time that we did that, I was actually quite surprised because we would get to stages with no shoots and I would say to you, okay, how do I aim here? Because I had some idea of what you were doing with the shotguns. And you would literally say to me, aim here, aim here. And when I did that, the pattern went and I hit the correct target. I didn't hit the no-shoot or anything like that. So that kind of reverts back to understanding what your average pattern is going to be with your ammo. And I think that is the simplest way of doing it because, like you say, you're going to forget to swap chokes at some point or you're going to run the wrong choke on the wrong stage. Um, running one choke and having a good general understanding of what your ammo is going to do out of that gun is much more important. And it made perfect sense to me, someone who doesn't have any shotgun backup. Yeah, I, I found it a lot easier when I went from, originally I was swapping chokes a lot. And then I was like, no, screw this. And then I shot just full for a couple of matches. And uh, that laughed. turned out, sorry, T? We laughed. Yeah, I was about to say, that turned out to be stupid. Um, it gave me the best pattern. It was fantastic. But I was really bloody slow because for it's everything... Like Everything was aimed, everything is aimed anyway, but this was like, you needed to really aim. This wasn't like, there's a flash of my, of my, my, my optic, send it. It was, I need to aim, um, especially on a little plate. Like, it, like shooting a rifle. It's just way too slow to, to do it that way for, for competition purposes. Uh, there are obviously other applications where smaller patterns are better and uh, you need to aim a little bit harder anyway. Within reason as well. Yeah, we, you, yeah, accurate enough, fast enough. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, th I think one of the biggest problems we see with shotguns nowadays, um, or sort of currently, is a lot of people don't understand the shotgun and then they try and turn it into something they do understand. So the dude or, or girl understands a, sh a rifle or understands a pistol and tries to make their shotgun into that. And, and shotguns are not rifles. Um, they're terrible rifles. Uh, and if you try and turn a shotgun into a rifle, you're going to end up with a really shitty musket. Um, what shotguns are really good is really good pistol uh, shotguns. Um, so if you're gonna if you're gonna understand that your shotgun is a shotgun, and understand how that works, that, that it's not. It's aimed, but it's aimed in a different way. Um, there's, there's a little bit more feel. There's a little bit more understanding your gun. Uh, and if you can do that, you, you can shoot them really, really well. Absolutely. So uh, I guess that sort of takes us to the, uh, to the next thing, um, since we've, we've spoken about patterns and where to put them. 
Uh, how do you aim a shotgun, T-Bag? So you have, you have, well, you do. <laughs> you hold it at your, at your hip and you clear rooms. No, you don't oh. have to aim. Yes. Can't miss with a shotgun. Yes, you need one of those, uh, the, whatever that, that sort of duck bull choke was <laughs> that uh, Ian recently tested. So you get a nice wide pattern of number four. And then you just, it's, it's as quick as you can run the action, right? Yeah. Just screw whatever is in that room. <laughs> so you obviously get beads and you get like ghost ring sights and uh, you get like vent ribs and red dots. Yeah. And, so let's talk about those a little bit. So obviously, if you've got a red dot on your shotgun, you use it like any other red dot. Um, you put the red dot on what you want to die, focus on the target and pull the trigger. Um, traditional beads uh-huh. like you used, used to get on... Uh, uh, sort of classic riot guns. You know, when you when you kind of picture that classic 18 and a half inch pump action Winchester Defender Remington 870 or Mossberg 500 or whatever, um, those would often shoot, like you had to aim really low because they'd shoot really high and sometimes they put it on the pedestal. And um, then you get various sort of, you know, rifle style sights or pistol style sights or, or ghost string sights. I'm a huge fan of vent ribs on shotguns. So that's when you've got that, that sort of ventilated rib on the top. Um, so from the side, it'll have like little open sections. And from the top, you get a nice big wide rib with a bead down at, at, at the end of it, sometimes one in the middle. Uh, and for me, that's that's a really easy thing. Even with slugs out to, to a bit of a distance, um, that's a pretty easy thing to uh to line up um you know remember on uh, traditionally on a shotgun your your eye is the backside um so your 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 cheek weld you know if, if you look at if you go buy a, a high-end sort of holland or purdy or, or whatever um you know th- those guns are fitted to the owner um and and you know corn might have the most spectacular purdy in the world but if it's fitted to him, I'm not going to be able to shoot shit with it uh, because it's not going to fit me. Um, obviously, we don't have quite the same with, with sort of more modern, you know, like modern mass-produced sort of semis and pumps. Um, some of them, you've got some adjustment in, in the, the, the cant and the stock and, and, and that sort of thing. Uh, but your face, your face on the back of the stock is kind of acting like your rear sight. Uh, and what I've always found works sort of best is is to target focus with them. And if you're shooting something with a pattern, but shot or buckshot, is to visualize that pattern on the target. Um, so I'm 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 seeing I'm seeing almost sort of like a little cartoony picture downrange of where of what that circle looks like, you know, what that, that pattern looks like, and, and that'll tell me when I can when I can send it. You know, if it's competition and I need to get that plate down and I know I'm going to need five or six pellets to get that plate down. I'm not going to wait until that whole circle is covering that plate. Um, when I see a quarter of the circle cover the plate, I'm going to take the shot. Um, obviously if I'm shooting a slug, if I'm shooting past a no shoot, I've got to, I, I, it, it becomes a little bit more challenging. So if there's a no shoot, I've got to make sure that I've got enough of a pellet of that circle on the, on the plate I'm trying to take down without any of the circle on the, on the no shoot um, and at some matches that can make that really challenging you know i've had matches where you you were basically trying to punch a hole 
you know, there was three, three plates, two no shoots in front of the shoot uh, and, and hardly any space where you were kind of aiming at 12 o'clock on the shoot plate um, to get the bottom of your pattern on the 12 o'clock of the shoot plate to clear that without hitting the no shoot, uh, which a little, I'm going to go on a little side rant here. I hear people whinge all the time about how IPSC shotgun is about loading and nothing else. And, you know, they don't like shotgun because all it is is about loading and the winner's the guy who loads best. And that is bullshit. Um, you, you can load to quad, you can learn to quad load in an hour. Um, if, you, if you've had your gun cut a little bit, um, Gaz has learned how to do it at matches. I learned to quad load at a nationals once. Um, you can twins load, like if you can pick your nose, you can twins load. Um, and shotgun is super technical. Shotgun is not, uh, you know, this, it's all about loading. The loading's pretty easy. Um, you know, we're talking tube guns here. Once, once you put a little bit of effort in, and then everyone's loading the same. You know, it's it's it, it's there's there's only so fast you can go real world. Um, where shotgun becomes unforgiving is is understanding that pattern and and having that balance between taking the plate down as quickly as you can um, without hitting a no shoot, so without over aiming, without under aiming, um, and also, you know, it's. With, with a pistol or a rifle, if you need to reload that gun, you press a button and you stick a whole mag in. So if you're shooting, a, even if you're shooting a, a, a classic gun like corn and you've got 10 rounds in it and something goes wrong and you need to reload, you press a button and you stick and you've got 10 rounds in the gun. With your shotgun, you're loading every round by hand. Um, you, you, you might be loading four at a time, but you're still loading every round by hand. So you don't want to load 10 rounds when you need to. Um, so you don't, want to, you don't want to run out of ammo and have to stand on your hind legs and try and load an empty shotgun, but you also don't want to be standing there trying to, um, you know, lo loading so many rounds at the end of the stage, you're unloading nine rounds out of your gun. Uh, th there's a lot to understanding the technicalities of the shotgun um, in, in competition. And, and when you can, it's a magnificent thing. Um, not that I'm biased. I I can attest to that as well because I came from a bit of that background that you described in the beginning where shotguns only about loading and all those kinds of things. But at the time that I got frustrated with shotgun, quad loading hadn't become a thing yet. And eventually you spoke me into coming back to shotgun and immediately I was able to do twins loading um, without any practice on the range at the club shoot, start doing twins. The next time I spent an hour here at home before the next club shoot with my folk stuff, learning how to quad and it literally took me half an hour to get it down and within an hour i was doing it competently quad loading mm. so that's really not a big issue once you've got it down you've got it down and there's a lot more technicality that you went into that is directly related to shotguns and how the competition world works it's definitely not only based on loading so no jokes some of my best shotgun runs and matches have been while i was doing uh twins and I could have been a lot better had I been able to do quad loading at that time. But I was able to outshoot a lot of people, not because I knew how to load the gun. It's because I knew how to do a stage plan that involved carefully deciding where you're going to stick more ammo into the gun. And I could see a more logical way or, or more logical order in which to shoot those stages. Um, and the, 
the loading, don't get me wrong, the loading hurt me. But it wasn't like I was not competitive because I was doing twins loading. Like if I could quad load, but I couldn't figure out a stage plan, I would be nowhere. If I can figure out a stage plan and I'm doing twins, well, I'm not going to win, but I can be competitive at least. Like I'm not going to be like dead stone cold lost. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a really complex sport in terms of uh, technique and things. It's, it's not just loading. I, I've seen guys with lightning fast loads, you know, guys who load at ridiculous rates, um, come sixth or seventh or eighth or tenth at a big match uh, because they were loading super fast and then missing and then having to load super fast again and then missing. And, you know, whereas some other dude who load a little bit slower didn't need to do that second and third load. Um, didn't need to fill in as many shots. It's 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 like any other part of the sport. Uh, just it's technical. It's, it's technical. It's a little bit different. Um, now I have to admit there are some people, and they are wrong, um, who shoot open shotgun, which involves box-fed monstrosities. Um, I I hate everything about them, but uh, they, they do exist, and they do seem to have a good time. I don't want to be funny, but I love open shotgun. I mean, I never want to shoot it, but it is the best thing you've ever seen on the range. What are the malfunctions? It is spectacular. Like, they are so awesome to watch because half of the stage isn't spent shooting or reloading. (laughs) Eric doesn't know where to go with that. (laughs) Trying to be nice. Uh, no, there, there, there is there is open shotgun, and that's that's your ten shot box fed magazine gun. Um, the, the 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 Russian ones are the only ones I've ever seen worth work worth a damn. Um, they are going to be more finicky than a than a quality tube gun. Um, but yeah, they are out there for the guys who, who absolutely insist on not learning how to load. I I personally don't 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 like the ones I've shot. Um, don't like how they shoot. Um, uh, and they just, they, they don't speak to me, but they, they are an option. And if you like them, come shoot shotgun. Uh, I, I won't make too much fun of you when some dude with a tube gun beats you. Um, but well, uh, no, we'll, we'll make fun of you. It's just, we won't do it quite enough. So you want to leave. Yeah. Because growing well, shotgun is, is, yeah, growing shotgun yeah. is important. We want more people to shoot us. Mm. There's a fine line of balance. And if we just jump back to sites quickly, coming from someone, and this is my perspective, who used to own a shotgun with ghostring iron sights on it, that makes aiming the shotgun a much more difficult than what it is to just run a normal um, brass bead on the front or a nice decent fiber optic sight on the front with a, um, with a rib on it. The ghost rings do definitely make a shotgun more difficult than, than normal sights. It's almost like you have to aim it more like a rifle and not like a shotgun. It's not just that. So yeah. I have an M4 that has ghost rings on it. And I don't shoot that gun nearly as well as I shoot by my M2. Whether we, we put a dot on it or whether I take the dot off and I just shoot the, the vent with the, the bead in the, in the front. Um, and it is because I can never get quite the right cheek weld to light up that rear sight. Like the front is fine. If I ignore the rear and I, and I just go off the front, I can shoot it okay. But trying to line up my eyes between the, the, the front rear is like, it, it, 
it doesn't work for me. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I find the ghost rings, they work really well with slugs. Mm. Um, but I kind of consider slugs relatively special purpose ammo in, in shotguns. Um, and, and I found for, for me, yeah, same thing. I just, so my, my M2's got their little flip-up rear sights. So it's got a little pistol-style uh, rear sight at the back that you flip up so that you can you can aim it you know, with slugs and that. And the, one of the best epiphanies I ever had and one of the things that helped my slug shooting the most is when I stopped flipping it up uh, and just left it down and just aimed with the bead and the dot. And all of a sudden, I shot slugs much better than I did trying to use the rear sight. Um, I don't even know if mine flips up. I've never used it. I have literally <laughs> never used it. Yours has got one. Um, yeah, it has got one. Yeah. I have literally never popped it up. So, yeah, I, you know, the, the, the red dot on a shotgun, you know, dots are life. The red dot on a shotgun can be really cool. Um, what's nice with a shotgun with a bead sight and a, and a vent rib is you're using very similar techniques to aim that as you are to, to a, a gun with a red dot. Um, it's just a little bit less forgiving on, on your cheek weld. You need to have quite a, a solid cheek weld um, to get the same accuracy. And, and you can shoot slugs accurately at 50, 60 meters, even beyond that, uh, with, with a gun with a vent rib and a bead, um, if, if your fundamentals are solid. Which brings us on to a topic that uh, is, is massively interesting. Fundamentals of the shotguns. So... Uh, I have seen some dudes trying to shoot buckshot at matches and like dudes are getting rocked by a gun that really shouldn't be rocking them. Like their, their technique is just trash. Um, which uh, I suspect I probably did for a little bit too. And then I went to the shotgun class with some dick (laughs) and it improved rapidly. Surprise, surprise. So one of the one of the things that that holds shotguns back and, and I think one of the reasons people don't like shooting them is because they hurt them. Um, a lot of people shoot a shotgun, especially with buckshot or slugs, and it hurts them because it kick because shotguns kick, they have a lot of recoil. And traditionally, you know, we've we, we, we were taught to deal with that by leaning into it nicely and 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 pulling it in really tight and and that kind of became the equivalent. Anyone who's done a course with me has heard how annoyed I get at instructors who with pistols shout front sight, front sight, and squeeze the trigger. Um, because generally then they don't know what they're trying to get out of you. They just, they don't have a solution. So they're shouting about it at you. And it was the same thing with the shotgun. And, and one of the biggest game changers in shotgun can, can be attributed to, to a gentleman by the name of Rob Hort. Um, he was a fantastic instructor and a great dude. Um, he he may not have been the first person to do it. Um, he may well have been. He was definitely the first person to popularize it. Um, but Rob came up with, and, and it's attributed to him generally, what's known as push-pull, um, where instead of, just like with the, all the other shooting where we're trying not, you know, like with pistol shooting, if you try and muscle the pistol into place, you're never going to be particularly good. Uh, but then with the shotgun, we try and muscle it. With with, with push-pull, we are using a technique um, to mitigate recoil as opposed to strength. Um, and basically, that's what you're doing. You're, 
you're stretching the gun when you shoot it. Uh, and the, the awesome thing is if, if you've got push-pull down, first of all, you can shoot a hell of a lot more um, in a day. You can shoot much hotter ammo without any sort of issues. Uh, and, you know, what, one of the things I have students do in shotgun course is uh, everyone stands on one leg and shoots their shotgun. Um, and, and shoots multiple rounds out of their shotgun standing on one leg. doesn't matter if you're a big, strong man or a skinny girl or something in the middle. Um, you, if you apply push-pull, the hardest part of shooting your shotgun on one leg is balancing on one leg. Uh, you can, for all intents and purposes, totally make that recoil go away. Uh, if, if you're, it, it, And one of the things that, that I'm like is often a, an epiphany for people when they get it right is when they pull the trigger on their shotgun and can see the muzzle flash on their shotgun uh, because it's not lifting. Um, that's a game changer. Uh, that is a, a game changer. And, and we should all be grateful to, to Rob for showing us that, uh, that magic. So uh, guys, you want to look Rob up, uh, SimTech Training. You can look him up on, on Facebook and I think they have a, a website too. I'm just not sure what that is. That might be simtech.com, but don't quote me on that. So for guys who think that standing on one leg and shooting a shotgun is just silly malarkey, um, I have shot shotguns in hard leans on one leg over barricades in shotgun matches, shooting buck. Like it's, it's, it's not like some silly range theater thing. We have to do it in matches. Um, it's, it's, it's a valuable skill and it's even better when you're able to do all this weird malarkey and your shotgun doesn't move. Uh, you don't go home sore. Uh, you're not massively fatigued because a lot of guys, the, the particular stage I'm talking about, a lot of guys walked off that stage being sore and massively fatigued. And it messes with the rest of your, your, your game day, even though you're shooting like birdshot for the rest of it. Um, it's tiring when you don't have the technique down. Absolutely worth uh, attending a class, learning that technique and, and, and putting it to good use. I mean, I've shot, since I've done that, that class, I have done 500 round training days with shotgun. Where I get home, I'm not sore and I'm not blue. I'm tired, but I'm not sore and I'm not blue. If you've got your technique down, the most tiring part of a 500-round shotgun day is going to be picking the, the shells off the ground. Um, and, you know, we, we shot a, a league at Magnum. That's exactly what year, I was talking about. Yep. Where, where there was a buckshot stage where you were, you were standing on one leg and I saw, I saw a dude almost collapse. I saw a guy have to be caught by an RO. Um, and where you were lying prone because they had taken a mini rifle stage and put uh, shotgun targets up. You were lying prone, like lying on one side, um, trying to shoot your shotgun at weird angles. And uh, that stage went pretty well for me. But uh, there, 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 were a lot of, there were a lot of guys who struggled because they couldn't get that legs far apart, weight forward thing. Whereas if you had good technique, like with any shooting, um, all of a sudden you, you could rush through that stage accurately and quickly. So... Don't, don't underestimate the shotgun. They, they've gotten, 
they've gotten a lot of bad presses and competition circles. These guys who do the whole, uh, uh, it's only about loading, which is bullshit. It means you've never shot shotgun or never shot shotgun well. Um, and defensively, they're getting a lot of, you know, they get a, they get a fair amount of shit, especially at the moment where everyone's all about carbines and, and, and short handy rifles and that sort of thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. But shotguns, you know, pistols poke holes, uh, rifles tear shit up, and shotguns blow chunks off. Um, there is there is no small arm that you can stand on your hind legs and shoot that's more devastating than a buckshot loaded shotgun in its realm. You know, if, if you're going to be shooting people at 600 meters, it's not a great choice. Um, within sort of within pistol ranges, so sort of 50 or 25 meters and in, um, to my mind, there's nothing that touches a shotgun. Uh, and, and there's a couple of myths that come with that as well. One of the things I hear all the time is about how, uh, oh yeah, you know, shotguns don't have enough capacity so, you know, your defensive shotgun holds five, six, seven, or eight rounds. And guys go, ah, you know, if you had a, if you had a carbine, you'd have a 30-round mag. Even with my pistol, I've got a 17-round mag. And what they forget is there's a big difference between those rounds. You know, a lot of guys are teaching a standard response with, with, with a rifle and a pistol of three or four rounds to the body and then around to the head. Um, and we see that with 2D3s and with pistols and with shotguns, generally the standard response is fire one at the body um, because it is very, very rare for someone to require a second round of buck if you hit them with the first round of buck. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's something happening there. So, you know, Tom Given speaks about sort of servings. Um, you know, he's, he's kind of in, in, in his student shootings, They've averaged, I think it's generally average about four or five rounds per bad guy. So a 10-shot pistol is a two-bad guy gun because it's got two servings in it. A 15-shot pistol is a three-bad guy gun because it's got three servings of five each in it. Well, a five-round five shotgun is a five-bad guy gun um, because every round is, is a serving. Um, that... I'm not saying they're magic and that anything that's hit with 12 gauge buckshot vaporizes and it's granny breaks its hip. Um, but a round of a round of buckshot that hits is about as effective as four or five rounds out of your pistol. Um, so I wouldn't worry about the capacity thing. I wouldn't worry about the reload thing because generally if you're hitting with your shotgun, you're not going to have to worry about reloading it um, because that so thing's hard. So the, the funny bit about that for me is it's the same argument that I see with guys who, who say don't stress pistol reloads. Now, I, I agree with that in concept because they're less important. But oddly enough, to get effective hits with shotguns a high percentage of the time, you're going to have to train. Mm. And a byproduct of that is going to be you're going to learn how to reload that thing. Because it's painful when you fire five rounds rapidly and then take half an hour to reload your gun. So don't stress about the reloading thing. Go practice some shooting. The reloading will, seriously, it'll, it'll happen because you're going to get tired, you're going to get lazy, and your body's going to find better ways to do it. And, and I'm not saying, you know, no. don't practice reloads at all. Uh, you know, obviously, if you shoot competition, and, and even though I said earlier, it's not a, it's not a reloading game, 
was not just about reloading. Reloading is part of it. It's one of the skills you need. It's kind of like, you know, pistol shooting is not just a drawing game, but if you can't draw a pistol, you're going to have a hard, hard time for the rest of the stage. Uh, if you can't reload a pistol, you're going to have a hard time for the rest of most stages, especially if you shoot classic. Um, yep. Your shotgun, yes. If it's a competition gun, you're going to need to know how to load it. If it's a defensive gun, you should know how to load it. What I'm saying more is the, the, the excuse that, oh, that gun holds five rounds, it doesn't hold enough rounds. It's not a 38 snub, people. It's not five rounds of 38 special. It's five rounds of 12-gauge buckshot. Um, it's much more yeah, than that, yeah. Yeah. It's something capable of field amputations. Um, your pistol can't do that. So yep. if, if, if a shotgun is part of your, is a defensive option, I think it's, I think it's one of the better ones, personally. Yeah, and, and like Corn said, you know, if from, from our perspective, when we're EDCing or carrying pistols every day, we, we need to train with them to be familiar with them and have a good skill set with them. It's the same thing when it comes to whether you decide if you're going to have a shotgun or uh, a carbine or something like that. You have to train with those and work on those individual fundamentals as well. It's yep. the same kettle of fish. It's just a different platform. Yeah, so funny thing, that whole uh, shotguns are just about reloading. Have you ever seen dudes who can't reload pistols effectively? Have you ever seen dudes who can't reload their rifles? This is my rifle and this is the thing I'm going to run. Well, wait till that magazine doesn't work and you have to reload it. And all of a sudden, these oaks just like, it's, it's a fumbly mess um, because they don't trade. Um, same thing with shotguns. You, ha you have to go and shoot them. Um, even if you can't afford to shoot them to really high round counts every time you go to the range, you have to make an effort to go to the range and shoot them uh, because that's how you're going to get your push-pull down and, and, and learn that technique and, and really uh, solidify it in your mind of how to do it so it becomes sort of subconscious. Um, but also dry firing shotguns is a real thing, um, especially for the competition circuit. Um, reloading shotguns, it's not, it's not the best way to spend your time to go and learn to reload a shotgun while you're shooting it. Um, dry firing is a, is a short circuit way to get through that. And then obviously some maintenance training is, is occasionally required. Uh, you know, if, if one of the nice things about, about a shotgun is Obviously, like with any other gun, if, if you want to maintain a super high standard, um, you, you need to do a lot of work. Live fire, dry fire, um, or, or my new favorite term for dry fire, live fire or pretend shooting. Um, <laughs> Steve Anderson, uh, the pretend shooting guy. Um, play, play. <laughs> so is you can do quite a bit of training with a shotgun with a 25 round box of birdshot. Uh, you, you can get a lot of value if that, if that's what you've got, if you've got a shotgun and a 25 round box of birdshot, you can do quite solid skills maintenance. You're probably not going to do a hell of a lot of skills improvement, um, but you can do pretty solid skills maintenance with 25 rounds of birdshot. Whereas 25 rounds of pistol, most of us ended up, you know, that that from for a lot of guys just is a warm up. So yeah, it, it's a it's often shotguns are often touted as as the simple solution. You know, if someone's not a gun person, you give them a pump action shotgun for home defense, and and that's going to be the ideal solution. And to be honest, 
that's a really bad idea because they're watch me short stroke this. That's what your wife tells me. Um, <laughs> you and my wife now, should stop talking or we are going to have some issues. You and me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, if, if, if you want to see shotguns malfunction at a big match, go watch the pump guns. Um, you, I, I see a lot more shit with pump guns at big matches than I do with, and this is really important, quality semi-autos. Um, you know, and, and they are user... It, it's a bit like a revolver. You know, jokes aside, and, and as much as I don't recommend revolvers for people asking stra- strangers on the internet what gun they should buy, um, a, a revolver is, is a viable weapon if you're using it as such. But in a lot of ways, it's less forgiving. You know, it, it, that double action trigger pull can be harder to shoot. They're, they're harder to load fast. That sort of thing. They don't hold as many rounds. Um, and a shotgun is a similar sort of thing. It's the perception is that they're really simple, but especially a pump action requires you to have a proper understanding of that, of, of that gun. If you're going to be able to shoot it fast and accurately, uh, because you are a big part of the operating system, you know, and, and something I have learned is that Beretta and Benelli are both much cleverer than I am, and they might put much more brains in the action of their semi-automatic shotguns than I have in my head. Um, so they work a lot better than me trying to pump a gun. Well, that's the whole thing. A manual action shotgun requires 100% of you to function reliably and every time. Um, that's why one of my fascinations with IPSC shotgun, when I get into it, is going to be going with a manual action shotgun. Because I like and love that additional technical factor, but you need to understand that the shotgun requires 100% of you. It's not only a case of you require 100% of the shotgun. Yeah. And, and a properly run pump gun is a beautiful thing. Um, you know, watching someone who knows how to run a pump gun run a pump gun um, is a thing of great beauty. And, and you know, my and this is something that comes up all the time. In fact, it came up on the internet. I think I had this discussion at least once this week, and I've had it in the last couple of weeks. If if your budget is not going to extend to a quality semi-auto, um, you, you can get a quality pump for a lot less than, than a decent semi-auto. Uh, and and so if that's a if that's a fast a, a facet, you know, I've seen. Uh, Secondhand, sort of older, like when they were still really good, Winchester uh, Remington 870s, you can pick those up for five grand. Um, if you pick up a semi auto for five grand, well, yeah. Um, you know, like probably the most expensive pump you're, you're likely to come across is a Benelli Nova or Supernova. Uh, and they can occasionally require a little bit of tweaking. But you're going to struggle to go wrong with that. And it's going to cost you less than half of an M2. Um, so a, a well-run pump, as I say, is, is a beautiful thing. Um, and you can, you can shoot them really, really well. They, they take a little bit of effort to make sure that, that your manipulations are down. Um, but my recommendation to guys, if, if they're on a budget for, and they want a shotgun for whatever purpose, and the budget doesn't extend to buying a semi-automatic shotgun that applies the following rules, and, 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 and write this down. A semi-automatic shotgun should have a name that starts with a B, 
It should have a name that ends in a vowel and it should be made in Italy. Beretta, Benelli, apparently Breda. I don't have any hands on experience with them, but I'm hearing very good things. Uh, you're going to have a quality gun. Um, something made somewhere else that costs a third as much or sometimes a fifth as much, you're not getting the same thing for the same, for less money. Um, Especially those, those ones that uh, uh, the Americans eat for Thanksgiving. They yes. tend to be a little bit more um, troublesome. Yeah. That said, the, the Stogas seem to work um, and, and people I respect have said good things about them. But if, if you looking at, if you look at guys who are running guns hard, you know, if you, if you're an SA and you go to a, an Ipsic shotgun match and, and, standard semi-auto or standard is is where guys are generally running semi-auto tube guns i will pretty much guarantee you that every gun in the super squad is gonna have a name that starts with the b ends in a vowel and is made neatly um if every dude in that super squad is going to be shooting a vanilla vanilla or beretta uh, that is i believe what they call in law enforcement a clue um we're not seeing them running those as good as guns. Uh, and why? Well, these are guys who, who are running their guns hard and where, you know, a malfunction can cost you four places in, in, in a match. Um, you know, you, you can't afford a malfunction. A good quality, in my experience, a good quality semi-auto shotgun, Beretta or Benelli, um, fair decent ammo is going to be service pistol reliable. Uh, you know, it's going to be one malfunction in three or four or 5,000 rounds. Um, I've, I honestly don't see that in a lot of pumps um, and I don't see that in a lot of semis. So if you're in SA where a semi-automatic shotgun is a restricted firearm, um, they're hard to get. You, 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 you don't have a, you don't have access to unlimited semi-auto shotguns. They're expensive. They're hard to justify. They're harder. They're hardish to sell because there's not a huge market for them. Um, if if you want to get into that game and you can't afford a, a good one, as I say, I get a pump. Um, I'm not saying before everyone gets their panties in a bunch that you shouldn't be competing in the sport unless you you have lots of money. Um, what I'm saying is your life is going to be a lot more pleasant if you go, let me buy this five grand secondhand 870 and stick a mag tube on it um, than let me buy this cheap and nasty semi. Uh, and I mean, I, I've seen a, a box-fed cheap and nasty semi that at 50 rounds had to be rebuilt because it disassembled itself. Um, you know, that gun needs to keep working because they're hard to replace here. You know, you, you want something that's going to survive tens of thousands of rounds. Yeah, it's essentially here what we're looking for, you're looking for a lifelong shotgun because of the restrictions and those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And you might as well go through the process once of basically what you're going to be doing is it's going to be a case of buy once, cry once, but you get to enjoy that entire process for probably the length of many of our shooters' shooting careers. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Yeah, which is, you know, the, yeah, 
You know, and I've played that game. I've done the buy the cheaper gun because it should be just as good as, and then you discover down the line that it's not really. So then you've got to sell it, and you sell it at a loss, um, and now you've got to replace it, and you've got to relicense it. And, you know, that might mean that you're without a gun for six months or, or, or even longer. Um, even longer, yeah. Yeah. So, And that's also, you probably haven't factored in the... The, the losses of having that gun, having to go to gunsmiths and uh, and other sort of inspections and that to to have it repaired or to try and diagnose what's wrong. Uh, those are also other losses that aren't being considered when you go for something that's just as good as. Yeah, yeah that, and, and that's a really good point. You know, you, you're going to want, so if you're setting up a, a, a shotgun for IPC, you're going to want a longer tube. You're going to want a tube that holds at least nine and, and preferably 12 rounds. If you're buying that for, for a cheap Turkish gun or if you're buying that for an Italian gun, it's going to cost about the same. You're going to need to get a good gunsmith, and I, and, and I recommend John at Demetique. Um, he, he cuts all my guns, and he cuts most of the guys' guns. He does a fantastic job, and he didn't pay mm-hmm. me for that. Um, it, you're going to have to pay John to cut your gun, and guess what? It's going to cost you the same if it's a Beretta or if it's a knockdown, um, you know, it, it's not going to, so that's not something that's going to add retail value, resale value to your gun. Um, but it's going it, to, that, that all is going to add up. So now you buy the cheaper gun, you, you put the long tube on, you get it cut, you get it set up, you buy a set of chokes, you do whatever you need to do. And then you go, well, actually shit. Uh, I'm now stuck without a, you know, this isn't working for me. I now want to upgrade. Um, and you've got that whole challenge of replacing it. Whereas tracks aside, if you were on a budget and you got yourself a Benelli Nova on the top end or that secondhand 870 or whatever, um, you've got a really solid gun that you can hang on to as your stand, as, as your standard manual gun. Uh, and that you can sell a lot easier if you decide to get rid of it. So, I don't sell shotguns. I'm not sponsored by any shotgun manufacturer. I have I have no financial interest in telling anyone what to buy. Um, experience has shown that, that those are the guns that work. Uh, you know, if you're going to buy an, a box gun, a Saiga 340, or something based on a Mollet Vepper. So the um, I can't remember the name of it that Hailstorm brought in, but it's that. Oh Vepper yes, that Vepper. Dissident. Yep. Dissident. Um, yes. If you're going to shoot standard. Uh, if you're going to shoot a semi-auto, Beretta Benelli are, 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 in my experience, the the best around. Um, yeah, you can you can you can make a Stoga work, um, you can make a Frankie work, but if you if you buy a 1301 or an M2, uh, you're probably not you're not going to up- sell that to upgrade because it, it really isn't much to upgrade from. Um, mm. And if you're going to shoot standard manual, as I say. Uh, sort of a competitive choice seems to be the the Benelli Nova. It's harder to find pump guns that are multi choke and that sort of thing, um, but they're out there. Mm. Yep. What, one you... thing I must point out with the, the manual guns, you probably want to go. You're going to have the loading port machined out. Make mm. sure that whatever manual gun you're looking at can accommodate that port being machined out. Because if it can't, you're going to be limited. You won't be able to quad load on the gun. It's as simple as that. So keep that in mind with them as well. Yeah. And just on that, some guns, and I can't tell you which ones, some guns have, but 
Some guns can't be cut because you run into, into issues with the actual mechanisms and other guns can't be cut because the serial number is in a very inconvenient place. Uh, so M2SP, they fixed that. Oh. 1301 Gen 2, they did as well, I think. Uh. And what I was going to say is if you, if you end up running a, uh, a, a pump gun that isn't multi-choke, it's not the end of the world. It'll teach you a hell of a lot about shooting shotgun. Um, and if you truly decide after that that uh, this is a sport you really want to commit to, spend the money and, and get a supernova going forward. But uh, don't let the fact that it's not a multi-choke gun stop you from competing. So if you already have an 870 in the safe, well, bring it out. You can shoot it. Not having multi-chokes not going to hold you back that much. Like, like we said, Derek shoots improved cylinder for a lot of stuff. I shoot modified for a lot of stuff. Um, you can learn your pattern, even if it's just cylinder bore, you can learn the pattern, you can make that work. Find good ammo, find ammo that patterns well. And, and, Which, and I think that's, that's a fantastic segue. What are we segueing into? <laughs> I'm having whiskey. Shotgun ammo. <laughs> People seem to understand that, like, Rifle ammo, you get different types of rifle ammo. You know, guys understand that you, you know, you get more accurate stuff, less accurate stuff. Pistols, they even seem to understand that. Shotguns, it seems that guys go into the gun shop and go, what's the cheapest thing that'll fit in my gun that you've got on your shelf? Um, quality shotgun ammo is going to make a difference, not only in reliability, but also in how your gun patterns. If you take, um, you know, if, if you take some of the cheaper, nasty stuff, your patterns are going to be bigger. They're going to have holes in them. Um, they, they're just good. They're going to be less consistent. So, you know, if you're just looking for cheap plinking or practice ammo, yeah, you know, you can buy the cheapest stuff you want as long as it works in your gut. But if, you, if you're shooting match ammo or, or for anything serious, pay a little bit more attention to the ammunition that you're shooting. Um, you know, it, it, it's going to make a difference, A, in how your gun works. And, and as we mentioned earlier, some guns don't like some ammo. Um, you know, generally the, the good semi-autos are, are pretty forgiving. But if you go too light or, or if there's, there's inconsistencies in, in the shell and that, you could have issues with, with feeding and extraction and that sort of thing. So test the ammo in your gun and, and, and use quality ammo. Uh, I am biased because we import Buscari and Pelagri. Um, that's what I shoot in my guns. And uh, if you look at the pictures on, on, on the Facebook post with the buckshot, you, you, you'll see how it patterns. Um, but RC make fantastic ammo. Fioki make fantastic ammo. Um, there, 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 is, there are definitely sort of uh, levels of, of shotgun ammo. Um, so try and select something that that's going to work for your purpose. Um, you know, you don't have to buy all the super lonely stuff, but if you're going to go shoot a match, maybe use the better stuff. And, and we see that a lot on buck and slug, you know, guys go into the gun shop, they go, I want the cheapest buck shot you've got. And then they get presented with that 25 meter shot next to a, a no shoot. Um, and if you've got, if I've got my gun with, with my preferred ammo, if it'll stay in the A zone, it's, it's not a, it's not a particularly, you know, it's not a super challenging shot. Um, if I've got some cheap crap that, that just 
blows this patterns up. Well, I'm I'm going to fire rounds at it and hope that I hit it and, and hope I don't hit the no shoot too many times. Yeah, for competition, sometimes you have to sacrifice the uh, no shoot. It's just occasionally that happens. It's one of those things. Um, so on the uh, the ammo, so getting into that a little bit more, uh, you do get different power factor shotgun ammo. Okay. I have shot in matches some 9P buck made by Saga. Hmm. Uh, it worked particularly well on my gun, but it, it was what I could find at the time. Uh, that is like a nuclear load. Like the recoil from that stuff, despite the push-pull, makes me slower because it requires more for me to keep the gun still. Um, shooting RC, similar load, no problem. I can shoot that stuff all day, every day. No worries. Not that I couldn't shoot the Saga all the time, but uh, finding ammo fit for your purpose is a really good idea. Going to the Umi at the gun store and saying, what 9P have you gotten? Thank you, I'll have 20 boxes of that. Not perhaps the best thing. One, you need to pattern it. You need to function test it. Uh, but you also need to compare the recoil of that round to some of the others available before you settle for something for competition purposes. Uh, because some of it can be more unpleasant to shoot, even if it works and the pattern's okay. Uh, I mean, Fioki, RC, Baskeri, uh, Gecko all make practical shooting-specific ammo now. So a lot of them will use uh, an Italian number six, which is close in size to an English number five, so a bigger pellet than you're normally going to get in in blasting ammo that you find at the gun shop. Um, so the, with, with birdshot, the bigger the number, the smaller the shot. Um, and then because shotguns work on black art, every country went with a slightly different measurement because it's the opposite of metric. Um, and you can, and they'll put a, a, a number six, so a slightly bigger pellet in a 28 gram load, which means you've got 28 grams of shot. Uh, now, a lot of guys, you know, a lot of the, the, the hunting ammo you buy will be a 32 gram load. Now that's going to have more recoil because you're pushing more out the barrel and, and that dude Newton once again likes to get in the way. Um, with the 24 gram stuff, it might be borderline on making power factor for a lot of the games. It might be borderline on having the, the oomph to take heavy steel down. Um, it, it may be more challenging to make your gun work. Uh, but you know, you, you get, and you get the same with buckshot, you get the lower recoil buckshot, which, is more pleasant to shoot. You get the same thing with slugs. You know, if I'm going to shoot a match, I'm going to run, personally, I'm going to run the Buscari Active Slug, but, you know, the RC, the Fioki, whatever, the competition slug, um, compared to the three-inch Magnum Buscari 40-gram Black Shock, which is a very cool load, and if I wanted to shoot through multiple vehicles, would probably be my choice. Um <laughs> but it's probably unnecessary for shooting an IPSC cardboard cutout at 30 meters where I've got to make a hole in the A zone. But um, that cardboard never fucking saw it coming and boy is it sorry. <laughs> Dude, don't worry yeah. about the, don't worry about the cardboard. The backstop will never be the same. <laughs> exactly. So, so, you know, also uh, you need to, to put your ammo to the purpose. If I'm going to go hunting with a shotgun, I'm going to take a high powered hunting slug. Um, if I'm going to shoot a match, I'm ideally going to shoot a, a softer, you know, a low recoil sort of competition slug. Um, 
if I'm going to go shoot ducks, I'm going to use a bigger, heavier birdshot load than I am if I'm going to shoot pigeons or if I'm going to need to kind of pay a little bit of attention there and not just go, I've got these big red shells, they fit in this, this tube, therefore this must, might be the right thing. Yeah, no, that, that that makes sense. And I think a good lesson lesson with regards to shotgun ammo is there's actually a very specific reason that all of these different shotgun ammunition manufacturers are presenting quite a variety of different types of ammo. And and if you just look at it from a slug's perspective, they've got several different slug cartridges in their lineup that they offer you, and that's for good reason. It's not just because they want to make money. There's a good reason for having that as well. Yeah. You know, you, you get you get slugs that are optimized for penetration where um, they don't deform, they, they sort of maintain their shape and they're designed to penetrate really deeply to shoot bigger game. You get slugs that are that that will expand quite aggressively in something the size of an impala or a person. Um, it's and and those have different roles and they're and they're optimized for different things. Um, you know the the Italians are, specifically are are famous for sort of shotguns and shotgun ammo, um, and and a lot of effort is put into that. So they'll they'll have a selection of different slugs and a selection of different buck um, for you, uh, and they don't all necessarily work the same. They don't all necessarily shoot to, shoot to the same point of aim, point of impact in your gun. They don't necessarily group the same in your gun. Um, so that's something you want to test. And what I suggest is try and buy a couple of loose boxes of each um, and test it before you start buying cases. Uh, once you find something that works, then yeah, stack it deep. Um, but what you don't want to do is, is be stuck with a case of some sort of slug because it was cheap. And when you shoot it, it kicks the shit out of you and you can't keep it on the on the cardboard at 25 meters. Or, or the ammo is not capable of doing that. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or even worse than that, it doesn't actually function. It doesn't yeah. feed, it doesn't extract, and you, you have 250 or 500 of those. And what do you do with it? <laughs> yeah. I think, I think what we're saying here as well is that the technology that they're applying to shotgun ammunition and shotguns in their own right has changed and progressed a lot over the last probably 25 years at least. And to the point now where a slug isn't just a slug anymore. Buckshot just isn't buckshot and birdshot just isn't birdshot. So yeah, the technology is also advanced so that we're getting better efficiency out of the cartridge for, for specific applications. Yeah, and, and that basically boils down to you can no longer go to the gun shop and just say triple R. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. cool. Yes, corn. <laughs> I mean, things have gotten complicated, but <laughs> all these options now. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I like me some I was gonna make... You like decent options? No, I like me some options. Oh, you they don't like have to be decent options. as long as there are some. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing I was going to say is that a lot of the... Okay, so with regards older semi-auto shotguns, there was the guys had to use heavier loads like the 32s yeah. or the 34s to get the guns to cycle and reliably function. Mm. These days with the technology they've put into the newer semi-auto shotguns and specifically the Beretta Benelli range, 
you are now at a point where the guns can actually more, most of the those guns are going to run reliably on 24 gram loads they don't rely on 32 or 34 or even 28 anymore so that technology has yeah. also advanced quite a lot to the point where the guns are operating better they're getting more efficiency from it and with the heavier loads we're getting less recoil out of the gun as well yeah the the coatings on the bolts and things have also improved substantially so they're the, the guns are smoother out the box. They're, they're easier to operate, which really helps in, in running lighter ammo. Also, the, the gas systems themselves have, have gotten clever. You know, uh, Beretta in, in, in the 1301 series and the 400s and that used their blink, um, which is, is sort of self-adjusting um, to, to the amount of, of, of gas you've got. Because the problem with the older systems was if you could make it work with 28 or 24 gram stuff, and then if you put 34 gram ammo in it, your gun was going to beat itself to death. Um, you know, the old Browning Auto 5s, which was a long recoil system with a barrel move, um, but they had like this, I think it was brass or bronze friction rings around the mag tube that you could like adjust, you could turn them around and, and, and have different ones to optimize it for the ammo. Uh, because as I say, if you make it work with, with, with the softest ammo, it's going to beat itself up with a heavier ammo. If you make it last with a heavier ammo, it's not going to work with the soft ammo. With, with the more modern designs, so, so like Brett's Blink, um, I, I don't understand what happens. I think there's a little imp in there that's kind of standing there, and when the gas comes in, it lets some out and lets some in and pushes on things and um, makes a little squeaking noise, and then your gun works. Uh, I'm very technical, famously. Um, and, you know, Benelli with the, with the inertia system on the M2, which as long as you don't hang too much extraneous weight on your gun is pretty forgiving. Uh, you know, the, the, the inertia system, if you, if you start hanging side saddles and lights and that, starts having issues because the gun can't develop enough inertia with the soft ammo. Uh, but, yeah, the... Uh, you know, if you've got an old Frankie 500, you're probably going to be using 32 or 34 gram ammo to make that gun work. Uh, I've run 21 gram ammo through M2s and 1301s, and the guns run. It hasn't actually been that much fun to shoot because the timing's been kind of weird, but the guns run. It's like a buff load. Yeah. It's like shooting two twos, which I'm not really a big fan of. Um, <laughs> Close enough. 21 gram, 22. Yeah, exactly. Close enough. So, Tolerance takes it to 22. While we're still on ammo, um, let's talk. I mean, we've we've mentioned bird, buck, and slug, um, but let's talk about those. So, bird shot belongs on ipsic stages or in the air. Yeah, it's <laughs> like like birds. yeah, like it it belongs nowhere else. It doesn't belong in a defense shotgun. Uh, it's yeah. you you're not going hunting with it unless it's things in the air. Um, buck has great okay. application. Sorry, T. Or bunnies. Mm. Well, yeah, okay, I suppose. Limited application on the ground. <laughs> yes. Very limited. Um, buck has great application in defensive use and, uh, and hunting. And then slugs are some competition use and hunting. Um, and some defensive use. Yeah. yeah. They will work too. for defensive use, but... Uh, I would probably rather have some buck. I, I prefer buck, but once again, the mission drives the gear train. Um, and the late Louis Auerbach was the slugs for everything guy. Um, and he, he was a, 
one of the one of the shotgun gurus. Um, okay. I don't necessarily agree with him, but I don't I don't think he was wrong either. If that makes sense. Um, so, and, uh, bear in mind as well with with modern expanding slugs, your your overpenetration is is reduced. Um, here with our great big you know with brick houses. Um, you've got a let, lot less of that concern of your house, of your slug shooting through 14 layers of drywall. I prefer buck because that shotgun ammo to my mind. Um, but there is a there is a role for for slug. And then all the weird shit that people always spoke about manufacturing years ago that I hope people don't do anymore and should never done in the first place. No rock salt. No fucking milli kernels or whatever they used to to put in those things none of that stuff it's not effective it doesn't scare anyone and it's still a deadly weapon whether you shoot them with rock salt or whether you shoot them with buck the implications are the same on your side it's uh, the same charges it's the same charges there's it it's not because you used rock salt all of a sudden it's less lethal that is not true if it doesn't need shooting don't shoot it and you know, like rubber, you know, rubber is, is become, I mean, our, our police are limited to rubber, sadly, with their shotguns. Um, and uh, a lot of guys like the idea of having some rubber, you know, some rub, rubber bullets. Um, I am firmly of the opinion that, that lethal weapons should never be used to for non-lethal purpose um, because it's a matter of time before you accidentally drop in a slug when you meant to drop in a round of rubber or vice versa, both of which are going to be a really bad day for you. Um, and as the guys have said, if you're shooting at someone with rubber, you're shooting at them with a shotgun. Uh, you know, the, 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 the charge isn't different because of what was loaded in the gun. Um, and, and bear in mind with less lethal stuff, it's not called non-lethal. It's called less lethal you can still kill people with it um don't shoot at people as, as a civilian defender if using a, a shotgun defensively don't shoot at people you don't need to shoot just like with a handgun just like with a rifle don't shoot at people you don't need to shoot um, guns are not for making loud noises and scaring things which brings us on to my favorite myth of all times relating to shotguns um probably just slightly ahead you can't miss um, I have been told that what I should do is I should put away my semi-auto shotguns. I should buy an old pump gun as a defensive tool. And I don't need to buy ammunition for it because if they walk in the door, I just go, chick, Oh, the sound will scare anybody's soul. Instantly run for the hills. <laughs> turn their bowels to water. Like it is the <laughs> best thing ever. Like, if we fought wars exclusively with shotguns, we would be unstoppable. And we wouldn't even need to expend ammo. Well, the wars would be a constant stalemate, dude. We would just walk around going... Tch, 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 tch. <laughs> I, I would like to quote a great British philosopher now by the name of Mr. Jonathan Cleese. Um, stop that. It's silly. To the point... Enough said. Uh, fuck off with that, that stupid thing. Um, yeah. You know, people who have been shot and shot at are not going to be scared because they heard you go and go click, click. Uh, it might it. actually put them into gear. Yeah. 
Yeah, something went um, click click. I bet it also. Click, click. No. Yeah, it also lets them know you weren't ready. Uh, <laughs> also true. Something, something to to briefly discuss while we, we're touching on a bit of defensive stuff with the shotgun, and this is a concept. Um, I think I stole from Gunsight, not not the the, the forum or the Facebook page, but Gunsight in Arizona um, is is the concept of the A, B, and C zone with a shotgun, and and this is going to be dependent on your gun and your ammo. But uh, how it breaks down basically, and it's a, it's a useful thing to understand is. The A zone is the distance at which whatever ammunition in the gun, if you've got shot of any sort, it doesn't have a chance to spread. So you you are, for all intents and purposes, firing a single projectile. Um, and that, depending on your gun and your ammo, is going to be three, five. Some some guns with federal flight control, 10 meters. <laughs> um, and in that zone with your gun, everything is going to hit pretty hard if it's if we're talking about a 12 gauge shotgun you know um bird shot or two or three meters when it hasn't had a chance to 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 spread at all can be pretty devastating um i don't recommend bird shot for self-defense but you know it, it, it because two steps further from that and and we, we we start getting into a pattern and we start getting a lot less effective but in the a zone whatever you're using in your gun you're going to have to aim it like you're using slugs. You're going to have to... Pardon me. So in the A zone, whatever gun you've got, whatever ammo you've got, you're going to have to aim it like you've got, got slugs or you, you're shooting a rifle. The B zone is, is the area where the, the pattern has started to spread but we can keep all the pellets on a target. So that's kind of where buckshot is at its most effective. Um, and depending on the buckshot on your gun, that that could be 15 meters, it could be 20 meters, it could be 25 meters. Once again, with the flight control stuff, it could be 40 meters. Um, we don't want to be firing buck, you know, the, the same rule about knowing where every bullet's going to end up. We don't want to be blasting off buck at 70 meters without a safe backstop when when we've got a we've a pattern now that can't stay on a target so um you're going to need to check where that is with your gun and then the c zone is is the zone beyond that where basically we need to use slugs there's there's different schools of thought a lot of people now are very big fans of federal flight control for everything because of that really really tight pattern um and I think for law enforcement purposes, you know, for, for, for departments, sadly here they can't really do it, but a department that was using a shotgun um, as, as their long gun, it makes a hell of a lot of sense because you don't know the shot that you're going you're gonna to have to take. And you may need to take a shot at, at 40 meters or, or, or past people at five meters sort of thing. So it does give a hell of a lot of versatility. When it comes to home defense, I, I'm actually... I'm more of the, the Steve Fisher school of thought. Uh, I quite like the idea of, of finding something that's going to give you about a six inch pattern. So sort of a 15 or so centimeter pattern at the longest distance in your house. Um, or, or the longest shot you, you're likely to be able to take in your house. So if you've got a, a 20 meter realistic 20 meter shot, um, that's, 
then you want to find something that's going to be keeping sort of a six or eight inch pattern at 20 meters. Um, so it may be flight control. Uh, if you're living in a, in a really, really small little flat and your longest shot is five or six meters, um, then something with a little bit more pattern is a little bit more forgiving. Not that we're blasting off rounds and, and, and letting pellets go wherever they are, but the thing that, that makes shotguns work for moving targets is your pattern's bigger. You're not shooting a five-and-a-half-millimeter projectile or a nine-millimeter projectile. You're shooting, for all intents and purposes, a six-inch projectile. Uh, so that's not going to mean that I can't miss, but what it does mean is a shot that, I pulled off slightly that that may not have been super effective with that five and a half mil projectile. Well, now with my six inch projectile, I might be getting some pellets in a vital zone and I might be able to stop the, the attacker a little bit quicker. So um, once again, two, uh, those are sort of the two schools of thought I, I pay the most attention to. The, you, you do get the, no, you want a giant pattern, pellet, pattern and hopefully one pellet hits. I have an issue with that because we don't know where those other pellets are, are, are going. Um, but I also don't want, I don't necessarily want to turn my shotgun into a rifle. So that that's kind of where I lean towards looking at your situation. You know, if you're, uh, if you're in a townhouse or, or something like that, where, the shots are going to be really close. You might have a glass door that backs backs onto someone else's house. Um, then you may make slightly different ammunition choices based on compared to someone who lives on a farm or lives on a plot where they may have a 30 meter shot inside their house um, and, you know, a hell of a lot of backstop around them. So something I want to mention on that is uh, we're, we're talking about ammunition selection and we're talking about, about, uh, choices um that does not mean that we smarty box these things into the same shotgun at the same time where i get a round buck and then i get around a slug and then i get around bird and i get rock salt and then i get uh paper balls and then i get loud bang because i've unloaded all the pallets from it it's just a primer um the problem with that beyond the fact that it is just stupid um if you're expecting a slug and you get buck that's a bad outcome because you're getting a pattern where you were expecting a, a singular projectile. And the opposite is true. If you're expecting a slug, oh, if, you, if you're expecting buck and you get a slug, well, all of a sudden penetration stuff, maybe the, 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 the way that it works is completely different and it's not what you're expecting. Load your shotguns with a single uh, brand, single pellet size, single uh specific load so not just i'm loading all my guns with with rc but i'm intermixing different rc loads loaded with the same stuff you know it works you know it patterns and even though patterns aren't patterns aren't set in stone if you're shooting the same stuff patterns are predictable um they'll 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 follow a general they'll follow that that law of averages where i have a circle this big and inside the circle, my pellets are going to be in slightly different places, but it's going to be a circle this big. Which you've learned by patterning your gun and firing multiple shots at multiple distances. Yeah, uh, 100% right. And, and my advice is, unless the situation dictates something very, very different, as a general rule, 
gun full of good quality buckshot is going to be your best first option. Um, if you live somewhere where bears are a big concern, you might want to load Brennica slugs. Um, if you live some, you know, if, if you're in law enforcement or security and you need something that's going to need to to be able to get into a car without opening the doors first, um, Brennica slugs are once again going to be, or Brennica style slugs are going to be a really good solution. Um, but as a general rule with a with a, a sort of defensive shotgun, I'd go with buckshot. Um, if you really want, you could you can have a round or two of slug not in the gun, either on the gun or or on a belt or something. But to be brutally honest, I can't see too many realities where you're going to be doing a select slug. Um, you know, once again, I've heard of cops having to do select slugs where they, they take the buckshot out and load in around a slug. But for your defensive shotgun, I think it's exceptional. I think it's pretty low on the on the list of things I'd be worried about. Um, as I say, once again, if, if you're on a farm or, or, or something where you may have you, you may have situations where you decide to load your gun with slug, but then I would load it with slug. Um, yep. I wouldn't load it, you know, with, oh, I'm going to fire a round of number seven birdshot first to scare him. And if that doesn't scare him, then I'm going to get progressively worse. Guns are not for scaring people. Um, you know, guns are, guns are serious business. And Just to clarify, serious business. I'm, I'm, I'm not against having multiple, uh, options in terms of ammo i am against having them being in a non-predictable uh not if you're not making a conscious decision that that is the round you're going to fire you're doing something wrong uh, so load the gun with single ammo and if you feel the need to have something different available make sure that you're going to make a conscious effort of loading that into the gun as a separate round yeah, that actually makes sense. Conscious effort, yes. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, so what have we not touched on that is Gatagun, that is the gospel of the gauge? I mean, when it comes to sort of hunting and that sort of thing with shotguns, there are people far better qualified to give you advice there. Um, Keep so them lubed. Them. Keep them lubed. They, they run yeah. as long as a quality gun, but keep them lubed. Um, the only issues I've had with my M2 and my M4 have been when I have neglected to loop them. If they like to start, lots and, of and for that, we obviously recommend DVC Slick. I think that's Jizz. what it's called. <laughs> slick Grease, yes. Gaz Jizz. My guns have got Gaz Jizz on them. Um. <laughs> As does mine, hand applied. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, if you find your patterns start uh, like blowing out quite badly, all of a sudden the same ammo starts giving really bad patterns before you send a nasty email to uh, the gun shop or the importer or the manufacturer, you may want to consider cleaning your barrel. Um, if they do get a bit dirty, uh, that can be a problem. Ah, yes. Something to bear in mind. Pro tip. If your gun has multi-chokes, um, use choke grease when you put the choke tubes in and then regularly check that they are tight uh, especially if you're shooting a lot of heavy buck and slug and yes you can shoot slug through chokes um, but uh, what 
happens is they get loose, they get loose, they get loose, they get loose. And then one day you if it's loose enough that the, the shot catches the choke tube and takes it with. And I have a friend who now has a 17 inch Beretta 1301. The left Beretta is a 24 inch Beretta 1301 because that's where they had to cut the barrel back to make it workable after the end of it blew off. Um, yeah, it's not worth it for one extra projectile. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be a hell of a projectile. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so if, if you have to escalate your use of force, I think that we've come to the point where we have agreed that the, the, the correct progression is rock salt, bird shot, <laughs> fuck shot, slug, portion of barrel. <laughs> Choke. Uh, is it, isn't that rubber? No, it's um, thunder shot. You know, the one that goes poof. Um. Then rubber. <laughs> then rock salt, then millet seeds, then small bird shot, then big bird shot. You're going to have quite a long tube for this, obviously. Then small buck shot, then medium buck shot, then big buck shot, then hollow point slugs, then solid slugs. And then barrel. Yes. We, we, we are in agreement that barrel is the worst thing you could send down range. Yeah, yeah that, that's when you really care. Well, it's worst for, it's worst for all parties. Yeah, I am. I care so much. I'm going to slightly loosen this choke before. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, couple of just miscellaneous things. Uh, be very careful if you've got shotguns in 12 gauge and 20 gauge that you don't accidentally drop a 20 gauge into the barrel of your 12 gauge because it'll go past the chamber and, and can lodge in the barrel. And then when you fire a 12 gauge behind it, you're probably going to wipe your backside with a hook for the rest of your life. Um, also check uh, your, your shotgun is going to be marked with a caliber. So it's going to go 12 gauge is the most common. I mean, there are 20, 16, 28, whatever, uh, 410 if, I don't know. Like for, That's not a shotgun. Yeah, if you're going to kill hamsters. Um, it's a cap gun. And then it's going gonna, it's gonna to be marked with a length. So it'll, it's going to be marked two and, two and three quarter or three inch or three and a half inch or, or um, you know, 70 millimeter or whatever. Make sure that your ammo is, is matched to that gun, especially with sort of older guns. And bear in mind... You can sometimes put a two and three quarter inch shell in a two and a half inch chamber. It'll fit because they measure the fired length of the shell, not the unfired length. So, so it may fit in the chamber. And when you fire it, it now can't open properly because the, the, the case mouth, for want of a better term, is in the forcing cone and your pressures can go through the roof. So be very, very careful um, you know, a lot of modern, most modern guns are sort of got three inch chambers and there's not a huge amount of three inch ammo and not a huge amount of use for it. Unless once again, you're shooting grizzly bears, but, uh, the, be, be very careful with older guns. You know, some of the older Remington 870s had two and three quarter inch chambers. Um, don't load that up with, with three inch buckshot, um, as your defensive load. Cause you think that's going to hit harder. To be honest, I'm not a big fan of three inch loads for very much. Um, I'm also not a load, big fan of super hot loads. Um, you know, buckshot, shotgun ammo as, as a rule is not that velocity dependent um, because you have lots of pellets. So I, I don't want to run something that's, that's uncontrollable either. Yeah. That makes sense. 
So is that is that pretty much everything Gospel of the Gauge? I mean, it's all wanted to cover. Gospel of the Gauge. Oh no, there there is a lot more that that we wanted to cover, that that we had to get through. Guess you know about shotgun. Yeah, I need to get a shotgun. I I really I'm wanting a supernova. <laughs> okay, we don't have to keep talking then. Uh, yeah, otherwise we we were going to spend the rest of the evening talking as into buying a shotgun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or our version of talking him into it. It's basically calling him rude names until he gives in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, Mart, it's it's not so much uh, talking in as bullying, but <laughs> taste of potato. I do, I do definitely need a supernova in my life, though. You deserve Just to put one, that out yeah. there. That's actually a good way of looking at it. I like it. Yeah, you definitely Fact. deserve one. Guys, I believe that you owe it to yourself. Oh, that's even better. It's making me feel all warm and fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> good thing. Uh huh. So, <laughs> the. There are sadly, if you if you're interested in in sort of practical uh, shotgun competition, there aren't as many matches as there are with pistol because people don't understand how awesome the gauge is. But there are matches around, so if you want to come check it out, hit us up and we'll we'll try and find your match in your area. Uh, it is the, to my mind, it is the most fun thing in Ipsic. Um, there's just nothing like running the gauge. Um, and you know, if you're talking about one gun for for everything, um, there's nothing as versatile as the shotgun, and they're just amaze balls. Uh, so shoot more shotguns. And uh, for the people who are interested in learning shotgun, drop us an email. Perhaps we can try and get some classes together and uh, teach you guys those awesome techniques we were talking about earlier. And so if you've made it this far into the episode, we greatly appreciate you being here. And we obviously are really appreciative of all of the support that we've gotten from you guys. But as always, please, a minimum of a five-star rating. We really appreciate it. Until the next time, have a good one. We'll see you soon. Later, losers. <laughs>